is that relationships are mirrors to us. They are mirrors to our souls. And so whatever is really bothering you about your spouse or your, you know, significant other or your child for that matter, they're actually showing you a, a hidden part of yourself that you're really not owning. The world around us is changing faster than ever. We hear people say, everything's a blur. And when we're living in our little self, a self in survival mode, a self that's living out what others believe we should do or who we should be, we compromise our joy. We put limits on ourselves and how we show up day in and day out. We believe we all have a big self and pursuing it is holy work. We also believe that most of us let fear persuade us not to pay attention to it. So we stay in this vicious cycle between fear and entrapment that keeps us playing small. But when we combine an insatiable curiosity to know our true self with the courage to share our innate gifts with the world, we get closer and closer to our big self. Today I speak with keynote speaker Judy Herman. She works with companies especially who support women in leadership while honoring authentic work relationships and cultures. Her clinical and personal experiences enhance her work as an executive coach, providing skills and resources that change organizations and family trees. She also is a relationship expert, a counselor, and an author of Beyond Messy Relationships, Divine Invitations to Your Authentic Self. It was a delight to have her on The Big Self Show, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Judy K. Herman, welcome to The Big Self Show. Thank you, Chad. It's really good to be here. Well, it's great to have you on now. Th thank you so much, by the way, for having Shelly and I on an episode of yours. And we'll, we'll talk about your podcast uh, momentarily. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I'm so glad to have you on. And, you know, I think what we should do is start off with that first question we've been asking most of our guests in season five. And that is... When you think of big self, what does, what comes to mind to you? What do you think of when you think of big self? And you could, if you wanted to kind of contrast that with what it means to be living in the idea of the little self. Mm, I love the question, by the way, I've scanned some of the podcasts to see what some of the other guests were, were answering, <laughs> but that would yeah. be a self answer, wouldn't it? Uh, yeah, so initially, just to let you know where I've come from as well, and, and your listeners, we come from a very conservative faith uh, understanding of the self, like the self was mm. bad, you have your false mm. self or whatever, and you're supposed to like die to yourself and all of that stuff. So anyway, so to, to think of the big self, um, here's what I think of it now, because I've evolved on several levels, but I believe that the big self is that continual self-awareness, that continual invitation to grow and to grow up. And I use the term, your vibrantly authentic self. I believe the real self 
uh, the, the reason we are like born here on this planet at this particular time is because there is a real self to be developed, continually evolved. I don't think any of us ever like arrive, but we are continually like tuning into that at the different stages of our lives and our circumstances. I love that. I love that. The idea of the continual opening and unfolding. And, mm-hmm. you know, and actually I've been reading some of the the idea of the, the holy ideas with the Enneagram and the idea of like getting out of our fixations by by being aware of the holy ideas. And one of the holy ideas for number the number seven, uh, but it's for all of us, but, and it's the idea of holy work. Mm. And, and that focus is on recognizing that your work is to be present in the present. Mm. And that we should recognize that much like the universe is constantly unfolding moment by moment. And there does seem to be and this intelligence behind it that 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 alone gives us this meaning but the work there is to just be constantly open to the to the unfolding of the moment absolutely that, yeah that is exactly uh what it sounds like you're talking about for those who may not know judy you are you're a speaker and an author and in a minute let's discuss your better relationships book um but first could you tell us a little bit about where you're at right now in your life. You're open about how you've been uh, twice married and are all about relationships, but right now you're you're single. So how has that process gone for you? And and what led you to getting out of, if you're if you feel okay talking about this, getting out of your second marriage, and how how has that freed you? Yes, great questions. I do want your uh, your listeners to know I'm a psychotherapist as well. So I've, that's like my bread and butter. And I've, I've uh, evolved. So my first career was raising four children who are now grown adults. And I have five grandchildren, which I'm very, very happy for. So that first marriage of 30 years. So basically I tell folks, I have been trying to, I've been trying to figure out relationships all my life. I come from a family of, we come in multiples of four from uh, two or three or four generations back. So I'm one of four kids and I've had four kids myself. So but now I have five grandchildren. I've been surrounded even since before I was born with relationships, trying to figure them out. So Yes, uh, becoming a psychotherapist uh, after or during trying to figure my own stuff out. And then that 30-year marriage, not well. And I say it came to a completion. I know we have the mm. D word. We have the divorce word, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and going through all of that was, yes, pretty traumatic and life-changing. And you try to figure things out. And so that's when I was actually going into then my second career as a, as a therapist in private practice. That was, okay. yeah. So, so then I wanted to figure out more. I, I became um, certified as an Imago relationship therapist. That has been very transformational for me on several levels. Uh, I did marry a second time to uh, uh, my dance partner. I love dancing. I just needed this movement and getting unstuck in my life and wanted to live it vibrantly authentic, but I didn't have those words then. But uh, drawn to my second husband, who was very, uh, he was a mental health advocate, 
and um, seemed to be a good match. We had great chemistry on the dance floor and uh, I thought would be good chemistry um, off the dance floor. And it was for the first four and a half or so years before, because he, he had managed his bipolar disorder um, mm-hmm. for many years. And uh, even though I heard the stories and didn't know them up close and personal, that first episode of him being totally out of tune with reality, uh, in four, four and a half years into the marriage. So to make a long story short, my, my book beyond messy was relationships. I Mm -hmm. wrote that because I couldn't not write it. It was like one of those things. It's like psychotherapy in story form. And when I, when it was, and he, he ended up recovering with that second episode in 2017 to the point of becoming my biggest cheerleader. We had a great, um, you know, launch, um, a party in Chattanooga. We were on stage. This was in 2019. And then shortly after that, just weeks, uh, of course, then we go into the pandemic. Uh, mm-hmm. And so long runway of stressors and his brother passed away suddenly. So to make a long story short, he, um, he had another um, just totally out of tune, but much worse than what I had written about. And the, and the marriage was unsalvageable, I guess, unviable. Um, so yes, I dealt with the, with all the shame, the stuff, the shoulda, coulda, wouldas, the imposter syndrome of, of now being a quote unquote, twice divorced relationship therapist. Like, Honestly, when I wrote my book, I thought my clients are going to read it and they're going to say, and why are we seeing her as our therapist? And then here I'm having to face all of the the loss and, um, you know, everything of, quote unquote, losing my second marriage to my former husband's mental illness. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, and you do, <laughs> you do. <laughs> that's, it's a lot to have to put into a nutshell. Um, and, and thanks for being so open about it. And of course you do talk about it in your book um, to, you know, to some extent with better relationships um, you're transparent about your own struggles and how you kind of had to be your own coach uh, to coach yourself through them and that book has been making an impact on others. What what's some of the uh, the feedback you've been receiving for your book, Better Relationships? Good question. Because uh, well, actually, it therapeutically it has really drawn clients to me. I'm still seeing couples. I do. Uh, I've really changed my model as uh, in my private practice. I'm very innovative type of therapist, so I offer private retreats for couples. Mm. But it's kind of like here's what happens which kind of surprised me a bit, but people read the book and then they seek me out for being a therapist because they know, okay, this is somebody that I can be transparent with. If she's gone through this, then I can trust her. So it's almost, it's kind of interesting how, you know, you, you go through trying to find a therapist and you go on psychology today, read the profiles and, you know, it takes a lot of courage to do, to make that phone call. And so, but this, this way it's like, oh, they know me before I know them. So it's been, um, it's very, been very impactful in that way. Mm -hmm. And um, yes, it's like, uh, I'm still, you know, and I've got my next book coming out. And so it seems like every time I've gone through major shifts, such as divorce, such as a second divorce, such as second husband's um, trauma and all of the mental illness things, there's been a shift for me, both personally and professionally. 
and so this last shift in 2020, just figuring out my life, like having 40 years of marital experiences to two separate husbands, I kind of joke, not at the same time, but uh, it's kind of <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> It's like being in the wilderness for 40 years. What is my, what is, what is my learning? What is my growth? What is, what is the authentic um, Mm. big self that's uh, asking to emerge from all of what I've been through? Yeah, definitely. You know, and you really do need to begin with yourself. That's the starting point. It's something you can control. And, and when you work on yourself, uh, the relationships in your life, uh, they begin to shift. Yeah. And so I think you, you, you're modeling that. So sometimes the relationships around us shift because, because they're like, oh, oh, this, they're doing the growth. Oh, I have to, well, I better keep up. I better do my own growth if I want to be in relationship. And sometimes they're like, yeah, I can't do it. And then that does create a different kind of conflict that I think sometimes people are afraid to face. So they, they're like, well, I don't want to break out of this relationship. So maybe I really, I really shouldn't grow mm, because yeah. I'm scared of, of that. But um, I guess to just frame this into a, a question is like when, when you as a relationship coach, I'm sure that you help people start with their self but inevitably, we are all in relate. No, no person's a rock in an island. We're exactly. all constant. Yeah, we're in these relationships. So, I don't know how do you, how do you coach this kind of paradox of the both and of the individual self work as well as like what it then means in relationship. When one person grows. It, it's an invitation, like it changes the dynamics. What I've come to learn over the years with my own professional and personal development is that relationships are mirrors to us. They are mirrors to our souls. And so whatever is really bothering you about your spouse or your you know, significant other or your child for that matter, they're actually showing you a a hidden part of yourself that you're really not owning. And so um, looking back with my my significant relationships and especially my two spouses, that there was some things that irked me that I realized, oh, I need to face this in myself. Having, because our, our neural pathways are developed in our very early experiences, as we all know, and what we take as gospel truth. So for me, having been raised in a very conservative faith tradition, you don't divorce or wives are to be quote unquote submissive to their husbands. Husbands are supposed to be the leader of the family. So I prayed, 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 you know, um, tried to be that submissive wife. Well, so so my own growth and my own awareness of busting through some of my own limited beliefs about myself, mm-hmm. realizing that I, I'm growing, I'm becoming more aware. I'm not the same when I'm, when I'm 45, I don't need to be thinking like I'm 22 years old, you know? And, and so it's growing in your self-awareness, which is, yeah, you're on this journey to the big self. Now it's an invitation for the relationship. 
It's an invitation for the relationship dance to change. I love that. Yes. And, and we, yes, we cannot, we're none of us are an island and we learn about ourselves in relationships. So I'm saying those 40 years of marital experiences, I, I have no room in my heart for any resentment or even regret for that matter, um, or the would, coulda, shouldas, or those, you know, imposters. There's no room in my heart to do that because I had so many learning experiences and I'm now determined at this stage in my life to live my most vibrantly authentic life. I did not have that kind of drive when I was 22. I didn't have that kind of drive when I was 55. I just... But now I do, and in my opinion, it's taken both of those those spouses, both of those men, with the things that they had going on to get my attention, to get really grounded with my purpose in life. Wow. Well, it's hard to imagine you being submissive. You seem, <laughs> you seem like a ball of energy. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good chad that's, that's really good that's funny it sounds like a lot of growth and learning that you did uh well, well i have to look of, at some of those those old home videos you know <laughs> well it's a lot to to raise four <laughs> kids so that will teach you a lot that's a lot of re- <laughs> relation relating um yeah and you know to that point just um I have learned so much about that dynamic through understanding, um, well, I'm forgetting the famous guy's name, but but just internal family systems. Yeah. And uh Richard, the, Richard Schwartz is it? Yeah. Second well, year? not even him. Oh, that's all right. I'll have to include it in in show notes. Um, but yeah, it's the the idea that like the dynamics of a family is like a skin. And each of us are just all connected in this web of of how we're relating with each other is fascinating Mm -hmm. and tells us you're right so much of the shadow sides that the other when they're pushing back there, you know, there isn't sometimes we have that identified that identified patient, but usually there's a whole dynamic in play. Fascinating stuff can really, and I like this idea of the relationship is is the client. Well, um, let's let's. I don't know if it's shifting gears, but let's think about you know to a large extent your audience are women leaders, and you know you. I think I recall you in different contexts saying things like um, a lot in a lot of cases these women have worked out in their professional lives where they work they're supported pretty well. They're figuring out like the dynamics and they're, they're, they're um, functioning well. They're, they're not burning out necessarily there. Uh, Although of course there's always stress. There's always, you know, finding that calm in the, in the, in the constant chaos. But, but then you're like, but at home, the, the dynamics, there aren't support structures. Things aren't functioning in quite the same way in their personal lives. So I'm just kind of curious, like, um, first of all, is that a correct assessment? And then how do you coach women to put together maybe a more coherent approach to the pieces of their life at home? Great question. It's been true with the people that have come to me for counseling over the years and coaching for that matter. And so 
uh, as far as the the research, the you know empirical research, I can't pull that up. But what I have discovered in my practice in my encounter is there are a lot of high achieving women, especially those in the helping professions, other mm. therapists, nurses, uh, women, doctors, you know, that are that are high achievers and they are very highly empathic, very soul searching, and they're trying to make life work. And for some reason, I think there's a lot, I mean, we get, we attract our opposites, right? And we get, we also get into our comfort zone. So it gets really comfortable for this high achieving woman who's also a mom, who's a wife, who, you know, is doing things. She's doing everything. Yeah. And, and, and he's letting her, right? Right. Um, and, and, you know, I'm just being very general and, and two, drawing upon my own experiences. Not everybody's like that. I'm glad you and Shelly aren't like that, right? Y'all have got a great team. Uh, uh, but anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm sure things <laughs> ebb and flow. We don't know what she might say, but she's not here. So yeah, yeah. She's not here to defend herself. All I'm saying is, or where you're here to defend yourself, but all I'm saying is that we get into our patterns and ways that we relate from mm-hmm. our early development, even like taking into consideration our siblings, who was the oldest in the family or the youngest, and where do you fall in line, and who do you let take charge, who do you, who sits back, and so all of these are subconscious patterns that get mm-hmm. brought into the family system. So if a couple can come to me and they see this, like they see this awareness, then they can both take part in changing that dynamic. Well, if there is a resistant spouse at home that doesn't want to come in and I work just with her and she's now more aware of changing her, the way she shows up in the Mm -hmm. relationship. And again, like with, with human beings individually, we are all called to grow and to grow up. We are all called to become more aware. That's the same way with our marriages or partnerships. I agree. Like we need, it is, it is an um, opportunity to grow and grow up and change that relationship dance. How you showed up as a, as a young couple without kids is different than how you show up raising kids. It's different how you show up in in even raising teenagers with the empty nest stage, all of those stages of one's uh, lifetime relationship, if it's a marriage, is is designed to change and to grow. We're not to be, quote unquote, fixated on our patterns. And by the way, I remembered it's Bowen. That's who oh, I was oh, thinking Oh, Family of. Systems Bowen. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I got got Bowen. Yes. yes, I do Bowen. Yes, for sure. Do these genograms and help people become more aware of their family patterns, for sure. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. How do you coach others to take that chaos and turn it into what you've called cooperation? Mm. One key thing, the brain cannot handle both judgment and curiosity. So it's an invitation to be curious. Now, when you live with another human being for many, many years and you get used to who they are, you get used to their patterns and and we have what you call, you're probably familiar with it, the idea of a beginner's mind, how mm-hmm. not to assume what's going on and how not to make those judgments, but instead access that part of the brain that is curious, that is like, uh, that welcomes wonder and intrigue. So- Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm mean, so with you on that idea. Just thinking we, we sometimes call it above the line thinking when you're a little bit more in consciousness and you're a little bit more open and you're a little bit more curious. And there is the Buddhist thing. The Buddhists called it the 
the having the beginner's mind. Right. Yeah. We call it the growth mindset or the learner's mindset. Yes. Carol Dweck with the growth mindset stuff. And so, but yeah, you're at, when you're below the line, you tend to be defensive. Mm -hmm. And so, Mm -hmm. and it closes, it closes the ability to just be like, what can I be learning from this? Yeah, absolutely. I I have resources for people. It's called uh, how to make sense when conversations go sideways, how to become more aware, because if you fill out a chart and you see what, and you do some reflection, it's best to do it at least 20 minutes after, you know, you've been keyed up, like, Mm. and you do it several times over different instances, you can start noticing patterns about how you are actually inviting that very conflict that shows up, but that's such an inadvertent thing. You don't even know it. You don't see it. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's a matter of noticing patterns and how you yourself, okay, for individual work, it is for how are you co-creating this mess? What is the invitation? What is the awareness to now make a conscious choice and decision to create that calm? Uh, I love how Harville Hendricks and Helen LaKelly Hunt, when they were on my podcast, how they describe mm-hmm. this energy field. It's kind of like being in a in a pool and the the energy field between two human beings, well, it can be chaotic, but you can you know, just be aware that that's a field (laughs) between the two of you. And and there's that contribution that each of you are making. So the invitation, especially when I work with couples and or individuals is let's get out out of our reptile mind, the reptile being the amygdala, Mm -hmm. the uh, fight, fight, freeze part of the brain, the part of the brain that doesn't know the difference between safety or only knows safety or danger, doesn't know you or other. So how to take those deep breaths, I uh, have an acronym with which I use of of breathing fresh air. Like you take three deep belly breaths, Chad, and Mm -hmm. the A is awareness, being aware. And the I is intentionality. And the R is the risk of growth. Well, if you take deep belly breaths and slowly breathe in and out for about 90 seconds is all it takes. Yeah. That you can calm yourself down. Can you calm the other person down? No, you have no control over their thoughts or feelings, but you can calm that energy field on your end of it, which invites the other person then to see you as safe because the brain is looking out for what is not safe. That's basically what our brains do when we get in that reactive mode. We're human beings. We're not reptiles. I tease couples. I'll say, you know, let's Let's act like human beings here. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do in yes. session with them. I, I lead them in the moment with some deep breathing and it makes a world of difference. Right. It's like, thank you very much, reptilian brain. You helped me survive and evolve to this point, but I have a limbic system and I have my prefrontal cortex and I need to use them all right yes, to be yes. fully, to be fully human. Uh, yeah. I like that. And, but you're right. And it's like a lot of us do have these blind spots, but then we don't necessarily want to see what's there. And so that idea of intentionality is like, well, when you're like, well, when you're ready, you can mm-hmm. learn this stuff and it does, but you have to have the will. Actually, as um, Tasha Yurik said, who was on the podcast about six weeks ago, she was like, self-awareness takes the will and mm. the skill, right? Ooh, I, I just yes. 
Love that. So, and I love yeah. your air framework. That's cool too. So we are, we do talk about like how you can't change the past, but you can reframe it. Yeah. So, so how do you, how do you manage the balance between going into the past in order to process it enough mm-hmm. to be able to move forward? Could you tell us a little bit about that process, how you, how you work with that as a coach with your psychotherapy background? Yes, absolutely. So, and then Catherine Woodard Thomas was wonderful. She wrote, she was also a podcast guest, but she also wrote the book, uh, Conscious Uncoupling. So Mm -hmm. how to, and she uses um, uh, what she talks about a fracture story. So we as therapists, we can be listening to people's trauma stories and we could allow them to, you know, say that you know, tell us those trauma stories over and over and over and over and over again. But as long as that, see what that actually does, it reinforces that victim mentality. So what Mm. we want to do, we of course want to hear what they'd been through, but we want to quickly realize that, you know what, we don't need to be fixated in that role and what happened to you. Rather, we can reframe it to a life-giving narrative. Like, I love one of your guests uh, recently that was also a psychotherapist and she wrote on trauma. I can't remember who that was. But oh, anyway. Sharon K. Ball. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. And she's she is spot on um, about trauma and, and, and it does need to be integrated into the brain. The reason trauma stays stuck and people stay stuck mm-hmm. is because there is no, what you call digestion and integration into the developing human brain. Well, the, the right. It's human like brain, it gets frozen there. Right. And, it gets yeah. frozen. And so we, and, and we need to, in order for transformation to happen, in order for the big self to emerge from that, Mm-hmm. If you ha- need a narrative that is number one more accurate to your humanity, right? You are you have what it takes to be resilient. We are all designed as human beings to grow and to grow up. We have and and the brain has a story. It, it's going to be natural. We will make up a story if we don't have a story. If you're right. dealing with a spouse that has that's stonewalling you, you're going to have a story about that. Okay, that's why it's important to have some communication and and. To yeah, you know, show and, up as your authentic self, right? So and it's so and it's have, good to be aware of like what's the story I'm telling myself, absolutely. right? Just to constantly be aware of that. Yes, yes, and is, is it a story that like that you that really aligns with your true identity, right? Mm. Um, and, and what's happened in the past does not have to define us in the future, right? Mm-hmm. I like what Oprah said in her book that she wrote with somebody. And we were asked these kind of questions in school. What's wrong with you? Uh, and those kind of questions really do shame us, mm-hmm. right? But instead ask what happened to you. That I think is a real distinction between, you know, how we mm. deal with trauma. What is our story about our trauma? Instead of saying, what's wrong with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What happened to you? Mm-hmm. Mm, that is kind mm-hmm. of a gentler reframe. I like yeah, that. Yeah, be- because that is what your guest mentioned about like, you know, I don't believe we're broken people either. I believe that all of us are like remarkably resilient human mm-hmm. beings. And yes. that's, yeah. So that that good, that gets away from some of my conservative theology as well. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. um, and... Yeah, well, I think thank you so much for the, these. The, there's a, a lot here that you're framing so succinctly. Uh, but could you just tell us, like, how are things going right now with your just your transition to 
from psychotherapist to speaker and author and podcaster, building a business. Uh, what's the experience been um, so far and wh where are you at? Great question. I uh, am continually growing. I made it a point to invest in myself knowing that because I think what in the past, Chad, I have I have uh, seen my own self-worth in relationship as as a wife, as a mom, uh, which those are valid things, but they don't need to be the core of who you are. Mm -hmm. So I, I do want to kind of revert a little bit and just <laughs> Mother's Days have been like sacred, but it seems like all these traumas happened on a Mother's Day. But in I think it was 2021. Yeah, 2021, I woke up. And I went on my back porch, I spread my arms wide open and I, and I looked up, I said, thank God I'm more than a mother. Yes. So as far as my, my business development, my professional development, it all is integrated. And I have purposely um, invested in something that could never be taken away from me. And that's my own growth and busting through my own limited beliefs. And I, uh, I connected with mm -hmm. a coaching group and have done some international travel. So with that, where I'm at right now is my second book is coming out. I'm like all over the place. It seems like, okay, how do I market this book and how do I, uh, I have ideas of even certifying my own uh, methodology. I have a proprietary, my own proprietary methodology for coaching sh called Show Up and Be You. How can I certify this material to, uh, to also certify other coaches, perhaps even other therapists with yeah. my methodology? So I'm kind of there. Like I'm, I, I, I do these passion product projects, uh, and I'm a therapist. So so many therapists, we have these. Uh, limited uh, business mindsets. <laughs> like we don't, mm -hmm. we don't think we're supposed to get money for what we do. <laughs> right. So yeah, having to like, like bust for those money issues. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of in the helping professions, we're like, well, we're this is missional, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I don't. Maybe I'm not going to have good boundaries because I'm just going to be keep keep helping. In fact, the, I think it, the, it was um, Freudenberger who first coined the term burnout in like the early seventies. And he was mm. a, a clinician in New York around the same time that Christina Mosloch was doing that work on the other coast in California. And, uh, and she was like in this helping profession too, like as a, as a, I believe a counselor and a researcher. So yeah, it is, we are so prone to helping others at the expense of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, and yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I have hung out with people that are bigger thinkers than me, which is a, is a good thing. Mm. I think I'm scattered on many levels. And how do I get okay. myself? Uh, how do I get myself really hyper focused and centered? And honestly, I don't like really doing business by myself. I'm learning, though, that I love being an uncoupled woman. I kind of like doing what I'm <laughs> Because I've never known what that is in 40 yeah. years, right? It's my, uh, but yeah, there, I, I realized, so here's some of my dilemma. I realized how very valuable it is to live with another human being face to face because they are mirrors to your blind spots. And how can I grow? So I, I do face even this situation of like, am I really growing now? Like, because I am a single woman, um, 
So anyway, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I think well, being in business with somebody that is really aligned with my work is what I need to do. I think some of my mm-hmm. growth stretches, Chad, if I were to be very vulnerable and honest here is yeah. like, I'm probably holding back. Like I got my story out there. My story's vulnerable and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But like, I just, I likely am not showing up very vulnerable in my personal relationships. I don't know. So maybe you could help me with that. <laughs> That'd be a blind spot. So maybe you feel, you feel a sense of like, you've, you've, you've built all this up. You've got to be protected. You don't, you don't want to let just anybody in maybe. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, personal relationships, I think I've, I no longer have the energy. And I think this is really true. And I think people probably really do need to know this when you grow from one level to maybe a higher level of awareness and your, mm-hmm. your um, big self, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a, there's the friendship group that basically changes. You no longer have the energy of being with these people because of how they're maybe still be thinking, but you kind of like, it's kind of like a kindergartner hanging out with a fifth grader. You don't hang out with kindergartners anymore. You hang out with fifth graders. I, I don't know. That's just kind of a right an elementary <laughs> school term comparison. But yeah, I I tell you what, Shelly and I both, we feel like we've had that experience. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, in general, I think it's hard as an, as adults to find and maintain those long enduring relationships. So when we do have them, we should celebrate them, but it's rare to have that relationship where as with friends where they're willing to grow too, and to have difficult conversations, spiritual conversation, spirit, you know, question is a lot of people just, they it's threatening even mm-hmm. just very in fact i think it's mostly just unconscious mm-hmm. but it's just it's disrupting the apple cart to and what i've what i found is that it's in mastermind groups people that i'm growing along with in business personal um the, and even spiritual that that i found maybe the most significant connections which makes mm. me then like i really do have um i really do want to develop you know, a master, I'd like to put together a mastermind group. So it's kind of like, yeah. yeah, I'm hanging out more with people who are like on the same uh, personal, not just personal uh, growth track. Only thing is that mm-hmm. some of them, a lot of them are like long distance. So there you have it. <laughs> right. Well, well, we're just all, I mean, fortunately there's technology so we can, that's you right. know, you know, that's, it's, we, we hate it and we love it. Yeah. There you Put go. It that way. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for being on and sharing with us in, in a vulnerable way and in an authentic way. And also in a way that is raising, I feel like raising our awareness and challenging us to be thinking higher. Lots of good content in this conversation today. So th- thank you for being on the Big Self Show. Uh, it's been it's been great to have you, Judy. Well, thank you, Chad. I do want to brag about you and Shelly because not only were you two on my podcast, anyway, you're in my book. You're in my book. And I want people to know that they're going to learn all about the Enneagram and how it affects relationships. 
it's broken up into three, four different sections, actually. So a person, whatever, you know, stage of life or relationship that they're in, the, the first one is relationships that last. Okay. And the second one, that that's the first section. The other one is secrets to better relationships with challenges. And that's where I do interview like Mark Lukacs, which he wrote the book, My Lovely Wife and the Psych Ward, and then how to deal with even like ADHD distractions and all of that. The third uh, section is secrets to ending relationships with a better life. And then we have help for better relationships and a better life, which that's the section you and Shelly are in, by the way. Well, we're honored. Glad, glad <laughs> to be a part of that. Those all sound like great. It's like you are taking that niche taking it to the next step with your second book. So that's pretty exciting. We look forward to, to getting a copy ourselves and celebrating that with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Chad. We are all about big ideas and how to integrate them to live a more sustainable life, to open up your learning, level up your self-awareness and consciousness, and move from surviving to thriving to flourishing. And I think what Judy Herman is saying is that you really never have to settle for what you're getting out of your life. There are second acts and even third and fourth acts if you're willing to keep learning, to keep testing, and to keep, in the final analysis, growing. Relationships are critical for our level of life satisfaction, and yet, paradoxically, the quality of these relationships has everything to do with who we are as a self. It is not selfish to work on yourself, just as it's not selfish for you to eat well, sleep well, and get your other basic needs met. It's nurturing. It's what you were created to do and who you were created to be. But perhaps just as importantly, when you work on yourself, all the others in your life are challenged to shift their position on the boat that you're in with them as well. And usually we can all view this as an invitation to grow together. But sometimes there is risk involved because there's risk involved when you grow because the important others in your lives may not be willing to do the work too. And eventually you'll outgrow them. And in some cases this can be okay. You can accept these relationships for what they are and not judge them because they haven't chosen to pursue growth for their own lives and souls. But sometimes, especially when it comes to lifelong relationships with partners that you're intimately connected to, you may have to make tough choices about uncoupling and freeing yourself from the restrictions of the other who doesn't value growth and becoming a new person the way you do. And you know where to find us at BigSelfSchool.com where we offer one-to-one -one coaching as well as trainings and workshops for organizations big and small. Here's to seeing you on our next episode of The Big Self Show.